Big Show rolls on into hour number four. Happy Monday, Calgary. What's going on? It's GVP and Shan coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Wet basement? We have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Over the weekend, Flames coming off a win over the Seattle Crack, and they stay perfect on the road at Climate Pledge Arena with a 6-3 victory. Things are trending upwards here in Calgary for the Calgary Flames. The team up north having a little bit of struggles out of the gates. And uh, to talk about then Oilers, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to regional writer for NHL.com. His name is Derek Van Dees. Derek, thank you for uh, taking the time to join us today. How's it going? Good, good. Going well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Derek, I want to start on a a bit of a lighter note before we get into some of the things around this Oilers team. I saw that you were at the uh, Heritage Classic. How was your experience taken in that game outdoors? Oh, that was fantastic. That was, uh, you know, it was, it was, a lot of people were talking about the original Heritage Classic 20 years ago. I wasn't at that game. I was actually working in the office. Uh, so to be able to be part of this one and experience this one, mm. uh, I think everything went out for another, without a hitch. They sold out. The, the weather was perfect. Um, I thought the game was good. Uh, I, I really, like, everything really worked out uh, the way that I think the league intended to or the league was hoping to. So, it was a great experience, great being there, and uh, yeah, hopefully this is something I'll be talking about 20 years from now, being yeah. at that Heritage Classic game. Yeah, yeah, our Flames unfortunately came out on the losing end of that thing, and that game felt like it had huge, huge uh, implications for both teams as both teams have gotten off to a slow start here. It felt like Jay Woodcroft might have even been coaching for his job in that game. Where do you think Woodcroft kind of stands with the Oilers right now? Do you think he's in trouble, or where do you really get the feel on him right now? Uh, I don't think so, and uh, okay. you get, you, this is a town really where um, th- that's all. That's all they do. They, they recycle coaches. I think we've been through eleven or twelve coaches in the last ten years here. Um, and Ken Holland's not a guy that likes to fire his coach. I think when he when he let go, um, Todd McClellan, that was the first time he had fired a coach in season. Um, I think ever, uh, to be honest with you. So he's not a guy that likes to go through coaches and recycle coaches. And I know a lot of names have come up. I know Joel Quinville's name has come up as, as possible uh, a replacement for Jay Woodcroft. But I think they're going to give him some time here to kind of work his way out of this rut. Um, just the way he's, he's handled this team since he's come in here, the team has been so successful. They won 50 wins last year. Um, so I, I don't think they'll pull the trigger on him quickly. I think something has to happen. They have to do a couple other things before they get to that point. Um, I think that's a, that's a thing of last resort. If, if nothing else seems to work, uh, then they may go with a coaching change. But, of course, they can't wait too long before the season starts sliding away. But I think there are some other options, trades or call-ups or what have you, to, to do before you make that drastic move. Because it would be a drastic move yeah. to, to let Jay Woodcroft go. Yeah, uh, I understand what you're saying, that they, they want to give him some time. And if, if things don't turn out, are you, are you saying that the timeline, if they had to make that drastic change, it, it would – obviously be later rather than sooner then? Yeah, I think so. I think they would, I think they would give them about maybe 25, 30 games. And if it's not happening, then if they're not where they want to be, uh, I think then they may make that decision. I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to be a near jerk reaction. That's yeah. just not the way Ken Holland operates. He's a patient guy and he, and he wants to see if his team can kind of work their way out of this funk. Hmm. Uh, here in Calgary during, you know, we've had our fair share of struggles to kick off this uh, young NHL season and, and the discourse around why our team has kind of fallen on hard times has be, been because our best players haven't been our best players uh, out there in Edmonton. Ha, has there 
Has there been an issue that stands out above the rest for this Oilers team, or was McDavid kind of on the mark when he said it's really been death by a thousand cuts? Yeah, it's been. A, there's a lot of issues. It's like playing whack-a-mole up here in Edmonton with all the issues they have. We'll start off in goal. They're not getting the saves. They're not getting the goaltending that, that you need to get at this level. I think both goaltenders have save percentages under nine, so they're not getting those saves. Jack Campbell didn't have a good game on Saturday against Nashville. Uh, Stuart Skinner has been okay, but he hasn't been great. He's a bit more steady, but he hasn't been great. So they're having problems with the goaltending. Now, the guys in front of them are struggling. Defensively, the Oilers are making just tragic mistakes, a mistake after mistake after mistake, and just small things like, you know, pinching in at the wrong time, not winning a battle in front of the net, not winning a battle in the corner. There are just so many things going wrong with this hockey team right now. And then you work up and you look at their bottom two lines. I think they have two points between the six of them. Like, yeah. they're not scoring. They're not They're not contributing at all and you have to contribute somewhat it's been 10 games and there's a lot of guys with a lot of zeros on the on that score sheet so uh they have to contribute and then you get to the top two lines and of course Nugent Hopkins had a career year last year he's not going to have the same year this year uh you know Zach Hyman had a career year last year you know it's not going to be the same this year so there's a drop off in your top six and when your bottom six isn't contributing and then you're struggling they can't the power play is not clicking like it usually does it usually clicks at around 30 percent so that's one out of three opportunities they score it's not clicking and they can't kill a penalty so special teams are really killing the Oilers right now so yeah there's a lot of issues with this hockey club right now that Jay Woodcroft and his staff have to deal with uh we are in conversation with Derek Van Dees a regional writer for NHL.com it's our number four of the big show I'm GVP and he's Sham. Hey, Derek, I want to ask about a few uh, individuals on this team, and I do want to start with Evan Bouchard. You know, he's a point mm-hmm. per game. Um, defensively, definitely not what uh, those fans are looking for. And, and that, that goal against Dallas that stood out to a lot of people, that fourth goal where uh, didn't really back check, guy went back door for a tap-in. Uh, young defenseman, what, what's going on with him on that end of the ice? Yeah, Bouchard is an offensive defenseman, and, and he's really struggling his own end. And I think that the idea was to you know, you, you, bring him, you bring him in, you play him with a guy like Ekholm, and hopefully he can settle it down, and Ekholm can kind of play the defensive end, and, and Bouchard can play the offensive end. But the, Ekholm is struggling as well. He missed the entire training camp. So he hasn't been there to kind of help Bouchard out in that regard. And Bouchard, he wants to contribute offensively. The team is struggling to score goals, uh, but he is, he's doing that at, expense, at the expense of his defensive responsibilities. And so that's something for a young player that you really have to be able to to balance out your defensive responsibility should come first then you contribute offense uh and i think bouchard is pushing the offense but yeah he's, he's failing in that defensive end of the end of the ice and, and you have to be able to play in your own zone if you're a defenseman even if you're an offensive defenseman you have to be able to play in your own zone and right now he's struggling he's losing a lot of puck battles he's getting uh you know and i think that's an issue as well he's, he's getting rubbed off the puck he's losing puck battles in front of the net and I think that's a, that's a problem. He's got to get just a little tougher in front of his own net. He's got to win some of those battles in the corner. And he's not doing that right now. And, and I think his youth is kind of showing. And the owner is going to have to be patient with him. They, they've invested a lot in him. And they know what he's capable of. But they're going to have to be patient with Evan Bouchard. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you met, mentioned Matthias Ekholm because we saw him with Bouchard last year uh, after they picked him up at the deadline. He he was he was solid defensively throughout the playoffs too. Um and when you look at Ekholm and McDavid, McDavid not producing at the, the rate we saw last year, definitely not a concern with his talent, obviously. Uh, but those two guys, do you see them you know, playing injured right now and, and, and just doing whatever they can to try and scrape out wins? Yeah, I think Ekholm is. I think he's got some sort of hip or, or issue uh, that he cost them all of training camp. He didn't have training camp. 
Um, he, he played it down like it wasn't a big deal, but I think it was a big deal because he didn't get up to speed. And when you miss training camp, you're suddenly you're two weeks behind everyone else and you're trying to play catch up. And I think we're seeing that a little bit with that Coleman. They're, they're, they're relying so much on him to do such, so much heavy lifting on the defensive end right now. And I, I think right now it's just a little bit too much. So he's behind. He's trying to catch up. McDavid, I asked him personally. I said, hey, are you 100%? Because it looks like he's not. Yeah. Obviously he had that muscle strain or something. Uh, that he missed a couple of games with. He just doesn't look like he has that extra gear. Like he still can, he can fly, but he usually has that extra gear, and he looks so much faster than anyone else on the ice. And that's not happening right now. So you got to wonder uh, what the situation is is with Connor McDavid. He's obviously downplaying. He says he's fine, uh, but yeah, he does not look like he's 100%. And he's gone five games without a goal, which is a long, long time for a guy like Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl, incidentally, has gone seven games without a goal. So when those two guys aren't scoring for you and the rest of the line is not scoring for you, yeah, things aren't going to go well. Yeah, I've noticed that. First year I've had McDavid in fantasy. It's, it's hurting me a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about Jack Campbell real quick. This is this is not something that really can be pushed under the rug, and, and that contract is, is hurting the Oilers. I think that's – when you're not getting that production that we've seen from Jack Campbell, you know, he's had some great st- uh, stints with the Leafs, uh, the Leafs, but – this contract's not working out, and it's still early in the contract, but is it getting close to talking about uh, uh, being a buyout candidate? It, it is. It is. And if he doesn't have a strong season this year, he'll be a strong buyout candidate, and I think he'll have three years left on that deal. Um, this is a guy that can. They went out, they needed a goaltender, and yeah. this guy, one of the best guys on the market at the time, and, he, and he's coming off a, a strong season with the Leafs, but he just hasn't been able to get it together here with the Oilers and last year he admitted it was more of a, of a, of a mental issue because he had, he, he had so much pressure on him to kind of be the number one guy and be the number one guy for a Stanley Cup contending team. There's so much pressure on him in that regard and he, he said it got to him. He admitted it got to him. He was hoping this year mm-hmm. he could be kind of more laid back, more relaxed, have a shorter memory. Uh, but, you know, in the first couple of games in the preseason he looked okay, uh, but we're starting to see the Jack Campbell that we saw last year where one goal seemed to affect him with the next one. Right. Uh, just kind of piggybacking off of that converse, uh, last question there, um, do, you, do you think it's time, even though that Stuart Skinner is having a bit of a rough go to start in the net this year, uh, do you think it's time for the Oilers to kind of really establish Skinner as their true number one and, and give him like a good stretch of games here rather than kind of going with that tandem split that they, they've gone with to start the season? Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think it is. I think they're gonna have to go with that and hopefully they get, you know, the big saves out of Stuart Skinner. Stuart Skinner's been just the more reliable goaltender. He doesn't have the ups and downs that Jack yeah. Campbell seems to have. So yeah, I think that's that's the plan right now is that they're gonna go with him, uh, see if he can kinda help the team gain some traction. And the team seems to play more confident behind in front of Stuart Skinner for whatever reason because they're not holding their breath every time the puck gets shot at the net. Uh, which they do sometimes with, with Jack Campbell because Jack Campbell is just so erratic sometimes. So I think he's just more of a calming influence on the team. Stuart Skinner still has to play a lot better. He he, he can be a lot better than, than he's been so far this season. Um, and you hope that's not a carryover from the playoffs last year because he did struggle in the playoffs. Uh, but, yeah, I can see the Oilers kind of going with Stuart Skinner now and saying, okay, you're our number one guy. you got to help us get out of this funk. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to get back to, uh, to the issue you brought up of, of depth scoring. And, and, the, and the Oilers are uh... – Recalling James Hamblin from the Condors on an emergency recall basis. Uh, what can you tell me about him? Is this kind of a similar move to what we've seen here in Calgary, bringing up guys in the AHL? I know they need to fill out a roster, but is Woodcroft just trying to find a spark with this team, depth-wise? Uh, he is a little bit depth-wise. This is an emergency recall because uh, the PS Ekholm is hurt. Yeah. Connor Brown is hurt. 
uh, and the Oilers don't have any extra forwards. They were only yeah. playing with 12 forwards. So they played a, a forward short on Saturday. So they get this emergency recall where it doesn't count to the cap. James Hamlin's a guy that I like to call a tweener. Like, I think he's a guy that does really well at the NHL level. But then there's like those guys that kind of fall into that gap and then they just quite aren't good enough to get to the NHL. So he's a guy that's trying to bridge that gap, and he hasn't been able to do that yet. He's an offensive player in the American Hockey League, but as it as happens all the time, is that these offensive players in the American Hockey League come in here and they play a third or fourth line role. They're asked to be checkers in the in the National Hockey League. So I think he's a guy that's trying to bridge that gap, and he hasn't quite yet. They've brought him up because he does have some offensive potential. So they're hoping that, hey, okay, maybe him and a guy like Sam Gagne, who's an offensive guy, can spark that bottom six because right now they're not getting anything out of those guys. What else do you think this Oilers group can really do up front to shake up some of that depth scoring or, or balance some of that scoring throughout their lineup? Is it a better option long-term to have Drysaddle and McDavid play on separate lines? Or, it, or what can they really do else besides bringing up someone hoping that ignites a spark, in your opinion? Yeah, I think I think it is better to play those guys separately, and then if you need them in a the game, you can put them together. I think that Jay Woodcroft put them together really quickly here in the season. They always start on separate lines. They're always going to carry their own line, and then when things go bad, you put them together. And I think you have to kind of shuffle the deck a little bit more. You have to give some of those third and fourth line guys maybe a shift or two. Maybe give them some time with these offensive guys. Give them some time. You know, uh, on a power play, I think Warren Fogel's on the power play. He had one assist on the power play. Maybe that gets him going. But you got to shuffle the deck a little bit. you got to change things around. Uh, you're looking for a spark any way you can. So maybe if you get a guy like Derek Ryan and you play him a couple of shifts with Dreisaitl or McDavid, maybe they can get him going because he's got to get going right now. Uh, Yamark's obviously hurt, so there's not much there. But those guys have to find something, find a spark, and, and get – some sort of production, uh, whether the puck goes in off your pants or whatever, they got to get those guys going. And so I think maybe you're going to see a lot of line shuffling in the next few days uh, with Jay Woodcroft, especially since they're only playing with 11 forwards. And and another change that they made uh, on the defensive end, Philip Broberg sent down. A, obviously, it helps he doesn't have to clear waivers. But um, Philip Broberg was expected to be one of those prospects that that took the reins as one of the better defensemen on this team. But uh, eight games, no points, really. Not a great start. What have you seen from Bo- Broberg, and, and what do you expect to see from him for the rest of the season? Yeah, this is a guy that they had high hopes for. This is a guy that they thought was going to come in here and really be a good, solid offensive defenseman for them. And he just hasn't, hasn't been able to, to get going. And I think you'll see one good game from Broberg, and then he'll play two bad ones. So I think it, it, they're, they're starting to lose a little bit of patience with him. They thought he would come along a little further. This is another guy that Ekholm was supposed to mentor a little bit and help him get through, uh, you know, this first couple of seasons in the NHL. But he hasn't he hasn't developed as, as, as quickly as they had hoped he's developed. They, they were hoping that they'd be able to pencil him in, he'd be a full-time guy, and they'd be able to go with him. But right now it's not working out. Uh, I wanted to bring up the, the Calgary kid, Dylan Holloway. He enters his uh... – third year of professional hockey here and and I talked to you before the season kicked off here and we all felt like it, we were hopeful that Dylan Holloway was going to be able to take the next step here do you think it's it's time that w- with this Oilers team struggling to score goals that we see him move into a top six role and maybe try and find something find something of his past offensive ways I think they're, they're, they've been discussing that, but he hasn't produced at all. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. one of those guys with zeros across the board. Yeah. So how do you explain, okay, you have zeros across the board, we're going to play in the top six. Like, and especially when coaches say you've got to earn those spots. You've got to earn that, 
that that time that ice time with McDavid. You got to earn that ice time with Drysdale. Like Bill Hall has done some good things, but yeah, he's, he's an offensive guy that's got to start finding some offense. So yeah, you could do that. You could move him up. I think a lot of people are saying, well, move him up. Maybe you know you can get him going. Um, but yeah, he he, he right now he, he's really struggling offensively. He's trying to figure things out in his own end. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that is supposed to come in here, be an offensive guy. Unfortunately, he had a setback last year just because of the way the the, the, the roster was structured and, and when Yamamoto came on the roster, they had to send Dylan Holloway back and he went back to the American Hockey League, never really got uh, going because he sustained an injury down there. So he kind of, last year he played half the year here, but he really didn't develop the way they wanted him to. And now they're hoping that he can be an everyday full-time player. He has to be. But I think when he missed that half a season of development, that's really affected his game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Oilers just need to figure out something to provide any sort of depth scoring to help out any of those two big big guys. And uh, I know this team is capped out, and I know it feels like a long shot, but there's a guy who wears number 88 that is still in need of a contract, and it sounds like he's narrowed down his team's list. And it is reportedly that the Oilers are on that list. Is it a possibility that Patrick Kane could want or end up a lot in an Oilers jersey is that even in the realm of possibility? They they have to do a lot of shuffling, I think, yeah. to do that right now because right now they they're just capped out. They have no cap room whatsoever. They're playing a, a man short, um, so yeah, they'd have to do a lot of things for for a guy that you don't know how much he's going to contribute. I mean, he could help you on your top six, uh, but you, you don't know. Like Connor Brown was supposed to be that guy, it hasn't worked out. What do they do with Connor Brown? Like, do they send him down? Do they have a rehab rehab sit down in the American Hockey League? I'm not sure, but yeah, they 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 would have to shuffle a lot of uh, a lot of deck chairs to try and get uh, Patrick Kane in here. Would a guy like Patrick Kane even still view this Oilers team as a team that's like going to be possibly contending for for a Stanley Cup? Because yeah. in his point in his career, that's obviously goes into his decision. Yeah, that's a good question, and whether he does or not, I don't know what his relationship is with Connor McDavid. Playing with a guy like Connor McDavid can be very convincing to a lot of guys in the league. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he sees this team. I still think the Oilers will turn it around. They're a playoff team. They're going to have to make some moves, but they're, they're obviously not the juggernaut everyone expected them to be this year. So I think the, the talent is still there. They just have to put it together, and whether or not that's appealing enough to, to a guy like Patrick Kane uh, remains to be seen. But, again, the Oilers will have to move a lot of deck chairs to, to make that possible. We are in conversation with regional writer for NHL.com, Derek Van Deese. Derek, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Best of luck with the rest of the season, and uh, hope to do this again soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. There he goes. There goes Derek Van Deese, regional writer for NHL.com. And, of course, he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Out of the gate, Shant, for you know, most of these Canadian teams, outside of like the Vancouver Canucks, all of us have really been struggling. Oh, yeah. it's Well, Winnipeg's doing okay, too. They're in a position, uh, playoff spot. Montreal's playing above expectations, but I think they'll regress, too. I think, in some ways, the Canadian standings have been flipped. If you look at a lot of people's predictions, Oilers, I'm I'm being honest, the Oilers were at the top of my list for most teams in the league. I had them contending for the President's Trophy before the season started, um, and I didn't picking, have the... Picking the Oilers at the start of every season always feels like such a hipster pick, because, like, yeah. when... when it seems like it's the same narrative every single season, and we obviously dove into that with Derek there. Like the goaltending has been a brutal. Oh yeah, Jack Campbell. You know, I'm seeing headlines like they're turning the page on him. You brought up a possible buyout. I was saying that they need to give Stuart Skinner a good run here, even though that they're still trying to work themselves out of a rut because you know Skinner hasn't been that well either. But yeah, but yeah, like 
you know, I, I thought the others were going to be better as well. I didn't, I didn't pick them to be in the basement of the Pacific. No, but right. I, I didn't. I, I, I still thought they'd be contending for uh, a divisional spot, like probably just under Vegas. Yeah, I, I that's that's where I had them. I, I seriously had no idea Vancouver was going to be like this. And the the thing with Vancouver, it all just sorry to cut you off, but it, no, it no. all just you know the linchpin on that felt like Thatcher Demko, and he's been yeah. amazing. I looked at I looked at Vancouver's you know, talk about expected stats. You can hate them, I understand. But if you look at their their uh, five on five offensive chances, they're ranked thirtieth in the league. Everything else is fantastic, but Elias Pettersson has yeah. been a special teams freak. Uh, also five on five. I mean, the guy's leading. He's tied for the league in points this year. Like that's he, he's having what looks like could be an MVP season. And you know, McDavid's playing hurt. That doesn't help. But I, I do want to go back just to the Oilers right now. And sure, it's why we talk about. Uh, them being that president's trophy choice, 97 and 29, they're always going to be there. But we talked about it. Jack Campbell, that's $5 million. Do you talk about being in, in, in a terrible cap space, cap situation? $5 million for right a team there. that's already getting choked out by the cap. Like That's that's just another nail in the and, coffin. And who, for the who's going to take that contract? No right? one. No exactly. One. So that's it. Just it seems like the solution is right there, but... Uh, it, yeah, it's not looking good. And, and you know, you talked about some of the other the other Canadian teams, the Habs. Sean Monahan's been really good for the Habs this year, and I I still think that. See, the thing with Sean Monahan, I feel like I don't want to speak for the entire fan yeah. base here, but for the most part, when we when we see guys like Matthew Kachuk have success or Johnny Gaudreau have right. success, there's a bit of a sour taste in our mouth. Oh, I want him but to when, score. But when you go see Sean Monahan yeah. put up some points, like I, I feel like most of us are happy for him. He's he's a guy that. You know, is overcoming injuries and playing above expectations here. He is, he is like becoming a pretty good trade trip, uh, trade yeah. chip for uh, Montreal here. But yeah, good. I, I feel like it's good for Sean Manahan. Yeah, but and this boy. this Habs team, you know, they have a couple vets. Sure, this this team is getting to the point where they need to start competing, and and it really did not help them that Slavkovsky has had the start to his career that he has. Look at Tage Thompson took a while to break into the league. He's a big sure. forward, and once he finally, you know, he developed that that skill, uh, he's turned into one of the best players in the league. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to Slavkovsky, but he came into the league young. He did not have much of a, a chance to develop, and and injuries didn't help. But I still think he's going to be a good player eventually. But it's taken a while, and it's hurting this Habs team. I feel like during those like Slavkovsky and Shane Wright, both part of the same draft, obviously. I feel like I feel like scouting departments might have even had a tough time like getting a good grasp on, on players oh, yeah. during that year just because obviously it was the pandemic and whatnot. So you, you can only see so much, yeah. but who, who do you think pans out first? Slavkovsky or Wright? Cause I've, I've said that I, from what I've seen from Shane Wright, I haven't liked what I've seen from no, him at all. To be honest, I covered most of that uh, series that the Wranglers had with yeah. the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds last fun. season. Yeah. And um, Shane Wright getting scratched for some of those games and didn't even seem like a standout at that level. So I'm not sure what Seattle has in mind for him. Or what, what Montreal is really trying to do with Slavkovsky. I know that he's had injuries and whatnot, but who in your mind really pans out from what you've seen? Well, Small sample size. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it depends what your definition of, of pans out is. But well, what, Wright, what would you want from a first overall pick? You'd want him to be a go-to guy. You want, it, you, in the, the next couple of years, you want him playing in your top six, being one of the yeah. more impactful players. And that's like why have my, with Cole Caulfield. Yeah, my answer is going to be Shane Wright. And part of the okay. upside of Shane Wright coming into the league is that He's a two-way forward, right? Like he he's very good defensively, but he is not even he hasn't cracked the NHL roster for more than two weeks at a time. But um I I, I do think it's gonna be Shane Wright. He's he, he clearly has that mentality that he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He, we saw that on draft day when he stared down. Is it the a Habs. chip or entitlement? 
I think it's a little bit of both. I would it's, say so. Not, it, not to put the guy on blast, but no. But you have to have. You're playing professional sports. Like it's, it's some of the most competitive. It's you don't get more competitive than this, really. So I, I think you need to have a little bit of that. I hope it turns into some snarl and not, um, not something that hurts him in his career. But Shane Wright has that upside defensively, and I just think Slavkovsky, His his biggest thing is you're you're looking at a league now that big forwards with skill will will flourish and uh if he's able to develop that that skill part of his game he, but you talked about it moving you know the first overall pick compared to the fourth is a big difference and if that first overall pick isn't a go-to guy then it doesn't count as panning out yeah for sure Montreal obviously they still have times to figure this thing out they're a young team they're developing you know they're, they're in the playoff race right now we'll see how that trends throughout the season uh the other one of the other canadian teams that i thought was going to be one of the teams to watch Mm -hmm. especially out east in an uh in an atlantic division that i thought was going to be regressing a little bit but you know maybe not the greatest take but like boston still being an excellent team tampa still being an excellent team but i wanted to talk about the ottawa senators i thought this team was going to be a team that was going to be in the hunt for most of the season and there's been a lot of you know, dysfunction out there. What's what's your read on that? Well, on ice and off ice, there's a lot of dysfunction. Yeah. We saw Brady Kachuk calling out the fans um, for for their comments about about the coach, and the coach kind of dismissed it. That's DJ Smith in, there in, in Ottawa. They have a very talented team. There's no doubt about it. And, and the Shane Pinto thing is, it was a disaster before he got suspended. Yeah, because that's your third line center potentially for for a long time, and he's a very young, very good player. Brady Kachuk is playing well. Tim Stutzla has had some really good games, but you just signed Sanderson after one year to you know an eight million dollar contract. Listen, he's a good player. I like him. There's just so much going on in Ottawa right now that this could all be solved by winning games. Yep. And have they had the worst start? No. Have they had the best start? No. So you're right. You're floating in the middle. Boston looks a lot better than I think they should be. You lose your captain, and somehow they're, what are they, 9 1 and 1? It's unbelievable. I'm just surprised that Pavel Zach has been proving that he can be a first line center in the NHL. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think that was necessarily possible for him. Yeah. I, 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 I've counted out Boston a couple times, and you can call me an idiot for it. Like I, I said last year they weren't going to be that great, and they had the best regular season of all time. So I'll, I'll admit that I'm wrong there, but. I don't know how they keep doing it. They have lots of talent. Sure, they have tons of experience, but... The biggest thing for me with Boston is last year they got historically great goaltending. And I wasn't sure, you know, coupled with the fact that they lost Bergeron, they lost a system guy in David Krejci. I know if you put David Krejci on any other team in the National Hockey League, he's maybe not as impactful, but he kind of reminds me of a guy like Michael Backlund where he's been in that system for so long. He does so much for the culture of that team. When you unplug him... You know, that, that's going to hurt a team. Yeah. So I, I thought that coupled with the fact that maybe that they weren't going to get as great goaltending, that maybe they'd take a step back, still had them as a playoff team, but I didn't think they'd be dominating the Atlantic division as much as they have. You know, their, their goaltending tandem, Allmerk and Swayman, again, putting up fantastic numbers. Swayman yeah. had a 138 goals against. Uh, you know, he's only gotten into five games. Uh, Almer gotten into six. He's over a nine twenty save percentage. Just, just ridiculous stuff out of Boston out there. That's going to keep him afloat all season. Well, we saw coupled, it. The, coupled with the fact they're still putting the puck in the net. I know. Uh, well, we saw it when the Flames and the boss, the the Bruins had that overtime game. You remember that one last year? Yeah. And Allmark was doing three sixty backflips, making saves. It was ridiculous. Um, they, it's it's true. Like Allmark and Swayman, one of the best tandems, you know, in the league, no doubt about it. 
Pasternak is still a freak. I, I saw a comment, someone saying he's the most overrated player in the league. I could not believe that. He is. He, he does everything for that team, and he's so skilled. And Marshand, like him or hate him, uh, he does everything. He, he's one of those guys that you just hate to play against, but you love to have him. Um, that Atlantic division is something else. It really yeah. is. Like It seems like there's so many teams that could... Uh, that could win it this year and can't, can't out, count out Tampa Bay. And, and like Detroit is a team that that's coming out of nowhere. They, they've they been yeah. really good to bring it, lighten the league on fire right now. That fit with him in Detroit seems awesome. You can only say good things about what Eisman has been able to do as an executive in this the league. Eiser plan. Yeah. Like Mo Sider, I think is going to be one of the more elite defensemen in the NHL over the next coming year. And we can't forget about the Panthers that are, you know, the reigning Stanley cup contenders. Yeah. Um, but just going back to Ottawa with the start that you've had, like Buffalo, I, I expect them to pick it up. I do sure. expect the Habs to, to fall off, but I don't know how you make it in the playoffs. If you don't catch a wild card, like wild card two spot. So that's, there's a lot going on. And, and the thing with Buffalo is I, I'm just not sure if I trust their goal tank just yet. Definitely well, fine. So Comrade. I know yeah. they're young, but like it, they're going to be able to, figure out eventually i'm just not sure if it's this is the year they squeak into the playoffs when there's a bunch of other teams in that atlantic division that are playing above expectations and so. we had higher expectations for uko pekalukin and by the way best name to say in the league <laughs> yeah. um but we had higher expectations for him and from what i've seen this year he's, he's getting lit up and uh I, devin levi will be a good goalie you just you caught a guy starting his career last year and you know we gave him the shot to make the playoffs and of course you're gonna you're gonna ride that and you're yep. gonna go with that but um I think there's just there's a few problems going on in Buffalo, and they're not scoring at the clip that they did last year. And uh, well, we saw their record last year was like 12-0-1 with the uh, those dark jerseys. I forget what they're called, the black jerseys with the red. Oh, the, uh, the angry goat one? Yeah, the yeah, angry yeah. goat. They was, uh, they lost with them this year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, this, there's a lot going on in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A uh, lot of stuff going around, around the league. Kind of mm-hmm. dove into like all the Canadian teams there. Uh, your Calgary Flames will be back in action tomorrow night taking on the Nashville Predators looking for two wins in a row. Things got to be trending upwards here. We got to build off of that win that we saw yeah. in Seattle.